Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Bulls HQ podcast, a playoff edition of the podcast. Can you believe it? The playoffs are here and the Bulls are actually, as I say this, up 1-0 against the Boston Celtics, which is kind of crazy. I did not expect the Bulls to go in into Boston and take the first game. I facetiously joked about that on the previous podcast with Kevin Ferrigan saying it would be a typical Bulls thing to do to go in there and win the first game and then lose the next four. Obviously, that's still on the cards, but I was, I was slightly joking around, but the Bulls have gone and done that. They've won the first game, and there were signs there that I think can carry over for the rest of the series. So obviously, the Bulls had a pretty dominant rebounding advantage, winning the rebounding battle 53-36. to Robin Lopez, I thought, was the most influential Bull today. With his eight offensive rebounds, he was huge, particularly in the first half. And without Robin, who knows how close this game is for Jimmy Butler to take over in the second half. We The Bulls may not have been in a good position. Uh, shot 37% from the field in the first half, 14% from the three-point line. Had a, had a lot of turnovers, and despite all that, they were up two points. And, and the reason for that was the, the dominance on the offensive glass, and that can be largely attributed to to Robin Lopez. So without him, who knows where the Bulls are at today, but uh, it gave the Bulls enough of a platform in that third quarter for Jimmy Butler to take over, and boy, did he do that in the last two minutes, having those huge threes, hitting eight points, and then obviously having a big fourth quarter as well. So great win for the Bulls. Who knows how the rest of this series plays out, but for game one, there were a lot of positives, and I think a lot of them can be transferable moving forward throughout the series. Now, to go through this game one, I've actually got James Hollis from B-Ball Breakdown, as well as the Almighty Ball and Radio Network to join me. James is a Celtics fan, so it'll be interesting to get his perspective on how the game played out. I will be asking him a lot of questions in relation to what the Celtics can do in terms of adjusting and what we should expect as Bulls fans for the Celtics to potentially change or mix up as we move forward through this series. So I hope you enjoy this episode. James, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate you. 
How are you feeling after that game? I should probably ask you that question because I know, one, I should mention that you are a Celtics fan and I wanted to get a Celtics fan on here to uh, get your perspective on on the game, but um, you're also a big Westbrook fan as well. So it's been a bit of a rough night for you, I would imagine. Um, It's never rough, man. It's all basketball. Um, For the Celtics, it goes beyond basketball with the Celtics, so I don't really care about the win or loss. You know, um, that... that, uh, you know, I guess everyone's thought should be with Isaiah Thomas. And yeah, and it, it, it really goes to show that I don't care how the series goes now, right? It's, this guy just lost a family member, and that's what it's about, right? So, I mean, people want to say what they want about the Boston Celtics. And as the one seed, they, you know, I, I think, it, hey, the emotions were high. Uh, this was a normal game. And, you know, I, I think for the series, they're fine, maybe. But I, I don't even really care because we'll see how uh, – I'll see how Isaiah feels going forward. Basketball could be, you know, therapeutic for a guy like him. You know, it's been his, it's been his whole life. So let's hope that, you know, he can he can lose himself in the series, win or lose, and 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 he feels better at not better at the end, but it helps him cope. Yeah, well, well said. And and look, let, let's start there because obviously our condolences go out to Isaiah Thomas and, and his family as well. But um, just just the fact that he had the the mental strength to the mental strength to even get up and actually be able to play I thought was incredible let alone going sure. out there and scoring 33 points and, and looking like his regular self but um, yeah the fact that he was able to do that was was quite incredible and and before the game I was just sitting there thinking I would happily take a loss here as a Bulls fan to see Isaiah sort of have a moment there where whether it's him dropping 50 or dropping 35 or whatever it is just to see him have that moment and I was more than more than uh, happy to see the Bulls go down in, in that in that scenario, so it, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing that he was even out there to to begin with. But um, yeah, as I mentioned, thirty three points for Isaiah, he did his job. How how did you feel watching that as a Celtics fan? I, I could imagine you'd be so proud of Isaiah Thomas the way he performed and led the team. Yeah, uh, that footage of him before the game, uh, you know, being emotional and yeah, I, I think the, the only thing that really irked me this whole this whole about the whole thing. I think every everyone handled it great as far as the announcers and the personalities. Barkley saying that you know it, it made him uncomfortable, and so it was a bad thing. Kind of pissed me off because mm. it's not about it's not about you, Charles Barkley. You know, yeah. and whatever. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's a lot of emotions at once. It's a lot of conflicted emotions. Like I I almost didn't want him to play. You know, I understand if you want to be with his family and then it's a lot of pride to see him step up and play. And like, that's impressive. And then he played very well as he always does. So I'm just glad that, uh, I just want him to be okay. So like I said, all the rest, we can talk, you know, of course, like as far as for the game, um, I think I called Celtics in five. So we're on, we're on pace for that. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Butler's amazing. I think even though a lot of people knew that it's nice to see him do it on a, on a big stage on in front of everybody. And of course, it's going to bring up questions again about, well, should they have made the move for Jimmy Butler? I think they should have. And so this kind of just reinforces it. Um, I guess for me, I've been resigned to the fact. I've been saying this for a couple months now. Um, I think that this team has a lot of makings of the 2015 Hawks. Mm-hmm. The Hawks team that won 60 games, but once it came to the playoff, because they're built for the, it's nothing wrong with this, they're built for the regular season. Yeah. And they're yeah. going to win a lot. And they got they got some high draft picks coming. They got guys like Yabuselli uh, and what's his name, uh, Zizek coming. So it's like, it's I don't, I'm not stressing any of this. This is not the final form of the Celtics, you know? So um, it's not fun. It's not fun to see a loss in the playoffs at home against the eight seed, against the eight seed, but it is what it is. 
Yeah, exactly. And look, the Celtics aren't the first team to to drop their first game in the playoffs as well as as a one seed. It's it's not like it hasn't happened before. So I I, th- I think it's yeah a, a lot of the subplots will rear its head again, and and the fact that the, the Celtics are playing the Bulls and this whole the, the Jimmy Butler rumors and all those sorts of things, they, they those sorts of uh, narratives will rear their head again, as well as potentially the Celtics being viewed as a, as a weak. Eastern Conference first seed, but having said that, it, it literally is one game, and it's not exactly like the Bulls are some dominant force that haven't been prone to inconsistent ways themselves, so yeah, I wouldn't imagine most Celtics fans would be down after this game, even though obviously there was a loss, I'm, I'm sure you guys will uh, will be confident moving forward, but in terms of the game itself, in, in, a, in a lot of ways it sort of represented some of the expectations that we had from both teams, so there were expectations that the Bulls should dominate the rebounding. Uh, obviously, the the narrative forming around the Celtics was that it was an Isaiah-led team, but uh, who would stand up beside him or behind him? And the Bulls are similar to the Celtics in the fact that it's pretty much J- Jimmy Butler and not much behind him as well. But um, in, in a way, those sorts of subplots played out, and, and we saw that in, in, in Game 1. But do you think that's more just general themes that happen to coincidentally sort of pop up in the first game or are they trends that we should keep an eye on throughout the rest of the series? Uh, Keep on it because, I mean, I I think in the playoffs, especially having the best player matters in a a seven-game series in a small environment like that. Having a guy who can just dominate the game matters. And Jimmy Butler is a better player than Isaiah Thomas. Uh, He just is. And and I think I've also been always had the idea that having a, uh, a dominant kind of wing player it's superior to having a dominant player anywhere else because they can initiate the offense and they can, you know, affect the game so many other ways. Mm. And we saw we saw that today with Jimmy Butler. I mean, Isaiah is great, but he's undersized, you know, and and, and that kind of it matters. We don't want it to matter, but it matters. He played a great floor game. I mean, and you know, he was plus twelve on the game. You can't blame him. Uh, Horford played well, but I mean, it just it is what it is. So I think this is to be a fascinating study in the kind of players that you have as star players and 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 how much one guy in basketball can affect the affect the game you know uh, no matter like boston's a better team jimmy but jimmy butler's a better player on the best player on the floor and that can matter that can make a difference let's see if it can make a difference for you know three more games for for chicago and for you know another four games for boston so we'll see yeah no, i mean that's a fair point and uh, look i'm still digesting this game and what to make of this game so it, it depends on 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 how you want to uh, interpret the the stats and those sorts of things and how the game played out. If, if you look at it from a Celtics perspective, Isaiah had 33, performed really well given all that's going on with him. Uh, you mentioned Al Horford. He had 19 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds. A really good game for your second best player. Other guys chipped in as well. You had 14 made threes, shot the ball pretty well, 27 assists. So there were a lot of positives there to take away from the Celtics perspective. But at the same time, obviously, uh, they dropped a the game. And then conversely for the Bulls, they had Jimmy Butler sort of come on and lead them at the end. Their rebounding dominance was very clear and and they got the W. But you you sort of just feel that um, depending on how certain things pull uh, in in this series that, you know, it'll be a close series that potentially could go either way. And what I want to talk about now is, is, is... I guess the two main talking points will be Isaiah Thomas and, and Jimmy Butler. And what I want to go into into detail here is is how each team defended each each team's best player. So I, I thought that was quite interesting because it was a completely different approach. So 
what I saw from how the Celtics guarded Jimmy Butler, it was almost like they had four guys taking turns on him. So they're almost defending him in, uh, as a committee. So Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Marcus Smart, and even Jalen Brown got a run, in, a run on him uh, occasionally. Whereas mm-hmm. the Bulls sort of took took the approach of, we don't really want to put Jimmy Butler on Isaiah Thomas at all if we don't have to. And uh, between quarters one to three, but in the last quarter, let, let's let's throw Jimmy on Isaiah. So completely different methods on how each team tried to stop each other's best player. What what did you make of of those tactics? And do you, do you expect those those uh, schemes to sort of uh, uphold themselves from game two onwards? Um, yeah, I mean, for from the from the Bulls' perspective, if if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So mm-hmm. uh, they don't want to they don't want to let Jimmy Butler try to guard Isaiah all game and you know wear himself down defensively and pick up fouls. That makes sense. And you know, it, it also it can be a case of we've seen this a lot of cases on other teams too. Isaiah's gonna get his, so don't really stress it. Just try to keep him contained. The big goal is not letting anybody else really go off. And you can say he did that. You know, uh, Al Horford had a really good game, 19, like you said, shot the ball well, but he only took 13 shots. Um, no one off the bench had double digits. You know, Marcus Smart hit 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 a few threes, which is a good sign going forward. But um, Olenek didn't step up, have a great game. You know, Jalen Brown was a non-factor. Gerald Green, who can be a flamethrower, was a you know, was a non-factor. So basically, if you, I, I guess, Chicago wants to just kind of they 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 their game plan worked. Isaiah, you know, had a really good game, thirty three. You can deal with thirty three from Isaiah when you in a in a win. So as far as for. Uh, for the Celtics, yeah, they got to try to find somebody who can who make life a little tougher for Jimmy Butler. Um, he's such a good player, man. He's, he can absorb contact. Um, he was hitting threes, and when he's hitting threes, that that's about it. That's I mean, he can post. He does it all. So if he's hitting his, his and I guess you gotta gotta just tip your hat because he's not a great three point shooter on the season, right? He went three for five tonight. So uh, what can you do? You know, uh, they they got to just run the double at him. Uh, keep keep in his airspace. Uh, try to keep him off the boards. You know, he had nine rebounds tonight three on the offensive end, so... Yeah, and, and look, that, and when I was thinking about this, I, I was wondering if Stevens makes an adjustment on that at all and, you know, whether he keeps going with this, uh, with the theory of rotating fresher bodies on him so they have the advantage that way. But I was all, almost wondering if, if the better approach is just to have one or two guys take that responsibility and then try to do a bit of a trapping-type scheme where... Um, getting the ball out of Jimmy's hands. So that was just something that a lot of Bulls fans were floating as an idea of, the, of a way to preventing Isaiah. But uh, I think a similar type scheme would actually be quite advantageous for the Celtics against Jimmy Butler, particularly when Avery Bradley and Marcus Smart, they are undersized. And, you know, that they Marcus, a guy like Marcus Smart can handle Jimmy in the post. But like you said, if Jimmy's hitting those pull-up shots from deep, then there's not much Marcus Smart can do from a, a size perspective. So I wonder if they do switch up the strategy a little bit to to really hedge hard and, and to blitz Butler more often and make a few other Bulls try to make some plays. I guess like what you're saying, so you think maybe they should just say, all right, you know, we're going to we're going to sync up Jay Crowder's minutes with Jimmy Butler and he's going to shadow Butler all game. You could try that, you know, but um, I guess what got Boston to where it is now is their their depth and their versatility. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler played 41 minutes. Uh, Crowder played 31 Yep. And see, and this is it's one of those things like it's the blessing and the curse of Boston. Their de- their blessing is the depth. And like you said, depth and versatility, that's great on the perimeter. Yeah. But their curse is there's no dominant perimeter guy other than Isaiah Thomas. And so you, you kind of got to try to find who's going to work, you know. So, you know, Crowder got 31. 
Bradley got 35, which is that's, that's fine. Smart got 31. So, I mean, they, they were shuffling. Goes, hey, hey, sometimes good offense just beats good defense. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then Butler, Butler is a, one of the better offensive players. It's funny. I was having a discussion on social media today when somebody was saying, oh, Butler's top 25 is not top 10. That's insane. <laughs> okay. That's that's a bad tech. Yeah, it's a terrible thing. So yeah, he's he's been amazing this season, and I think he he belongs in that upper echelon type player. And people, it's funny how the 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 general uh, the general kind of mentality of the fan is slow to catch up. Yeah, but he's been like that. For, he's been like that for the last two years. He's 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 definitely. I think he's better than Clay Thompson because Clay Thompson can't create off the bounce like he can. Clay Thompson's not the, not the rebounder he is, and they're the same defender. I think he, Jimmy might even be a little better defender. So yeah, it's funny. It is, and I mean, you're preaching to the choir here, and uh, most of my listeners are obviously Bulls fans, so I'm sure they they are they appreciate uh, that sort of idea as well. So, yeah, I mean, if someone wants to have that opinion that he's not top 25, then, um, you know, good for them, all the best, but uh, <laughs> I think they're completely wrong on that one. But, um, look, who, who do you think, besides Thomas and, and Horford, has, has the most room to improve for the Celtics next game? Obviously... As a Bulls fans, I'm expecting someone else to step up here. Step up here. Stevens, I, I thought went to his bench a little bit too much in the sense that he was sort of reaching a little bit. So I was, I was actually surprised to see Gerald Green get minutes. He, I didn't. I was very surprised to see Tyler Tyler Zeller get minutes as well. But um, they obviously didn't play big minutes. But do you think he'll shorten up that rotation and in turn look for a couple of guys to really stand up more so in game two? Well, I mean, the thing with Gerald Green, he plays Gerald Green just like that. He takes the temperature. He puts him in. If he gets it going, cool. If he doesn't, he sits him. He only plays six minutes. Uh, Tyler Zeller, I mean, we, I mean, we got pounded on the on the boards, mm. right? I think mm-hmm. it was fifty three to thirty six advantage for Chicago on the boards. Yep. that's unacceptable. So I mean, he had to give Tyler Zeller a little burn to see if he could try to stem the tide a little bit, and you know, it didn't work. Um, yeah, eventually I think by game three the rotation will be kind of set and shortened, uh, and and that's, that's the thing, right? It's just it's the playoffs. Give you, I think we need more from Jay Crowder. Crowder was only one for five and three. Uh, nice on the he did a good job on the boards, but he can be a little better offensively. He needs to be a little more aggressive. And and yeah, Kelly Olynyk. It's funny because when when Olenek plays well, he he looks like one of the best big men in the league and changes the whole dynamic for Boston. Yeah, and he got he got a lot of shots open. So look. Bobby Portis was playing on him a lot of the times, and, and Bobby, Bobby Portis had himself a good offensive game. But I did notice a lot of the times when when Bobby was guarding Olenek, he was able to get free for a few open threes. He, he was one for four on the night. So obviously you'd expect more from Olenek from a shooting perspective, but he, he did get the good looks. And the Celtics in general got a lot of three-pointers. So you, you made 14, as I mentioned before, but you got up 38 attempts, and Celtics on the season are third in makes and in it and in attempts, so the Bulls didn't really take away the uh, the Celtics' uh, three-point shooting, which is a bit of a concern I have, and I think it's something that's going to go underrated, even though the Bulls got the win here, that the fact that the Celtics were able to put up 38 threes. You obviously got good shooting from Marcus Smart, but you're going to need some more from, from others. Uh, obviously, Jay Crowder won from five, probably your your biggest hope in, in getting some more shooting. Do you, do you expect the Celtics to to maintain this level of level of attempts? And and what did you make what did you make of the Bulls' three point shooting defense? Um, yeah, let's hope. I mean, you got to get threes up to make them, and that's part of the that's part of what Boston does. They don't shoot them accurately, but they kind of shoot a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's let's hope they make more. It's a little frustrating, right? Because that's that's the thing for the last couple of years. They 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 understand the modern offense. They just don't have the the accurate shooters yet. And they're yeah. doing better. Um so I mean 
tough. Uh, Chicago uh, Chicago did a good job running them off threes, obviously. And, and, you know, Boston shot actually great, they shot great from three. They were four, they hit fourteen, shot mm. thirty eight. I don't mind that. I don't mind them taking even more than that. So, yeah, no. Look, I, from a Boston perspective, I think the, the number of makes and attempts is, is obviously good for you guys. But I'm a, I'm a little concerned from a Bulls perspective that where that's that's far too much. So, oh yeah, I, for sure. I, I'm yeah, a bit I mean, worried about that going forward in terms of the series. Yeah, Chicago. They they're they're kind of you know they they only hit eight out of twenty five. Yeah. You know, so you you know, you hit six less threes and you take way less and you make a worse percentage. You still win the ball game. That's 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 basketball. So that's good. Now, if that continues, your chances of winning are gonna are gonna precipitously drop, right? So they got to do a better job of running running uh running Celtics off the line. Now, I was listening to some uh, Celtics post games. I was reading tweets as well. Jay Crowder mentioned, and we sort of alluded to this already, but the the dominance that the Bulls had on on the on the rebounding perspective of the game. Jay Crowder mentioned that if the Celtics don't win the re- rebounding battle, they're not going to win the series. And obviously, Robin Lopez had a, a huge game. I thought he was the most influential player on the court, despite Jimmy Butler having his thirty points. Couldn't stop Robin Lopez in the first half. He had six offensive rebounds. Finished the game with eight offensive rebounds. Did the Celtics have a way? that they can sort of curtail Lopez in that form, or do they have to live with that and just find other other areas that they can exploit the Bulls in? Well, that's that's the Celtics' big weakness, right, rebounding. Yeah. And yeah. it's still wild to me that the Knicks just basically gave away, you know, they wanted, they literally wanted Joachim Noah. The Knicks wanted Joachim Noah and gave up Lopez so easily. That's just wild to me. Because <laughs> Lopez is such a good, he's such a, he's so much of a better player and he's on such a better contract. Yeah, exactly. So that's, it's, the Knicks are just such a, the Knicks are the Knicks. What a crap franchise. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, yeah they got to figure out, they, you can't let Lopez go for a double double like this. He's a complimentary player, he's a role player, and he, he'll do his damage a little bit, but you can't let him go off the way he did. Porter's off the bench, 19 and, and 9. And this is the thing. That's why I kind of said I'm kind of resigned to the fact that this might be, you know, Boston. They just they don't rebound. And that in the in the playoffs, you gotta hit the boards. You gotta rebound in the playoffs. You gotta keep the other guys from rebounding. You can't let them just you can't have a 17 point deficit, a 17 rebound deficit like that. You know, they got rebounded 53 to like what a 36. That's unacceptable. And but it's this is how that team's constructed. Al Horford is more of a perimeter-based big man. He's going to float out towards the perimeter on offense. And, you know, I mean, when Bobby Porter's out there popping jump shots like that, popping threes, he's pulling he's pulling the defense with him. So Boston has to be more physical. They have to make a, con- a concerted effort on the boards. And, and really, sure, we're not, a, we're not the biggest team, best rebound. The big problem, I think, and we'll see next year, this should improve when um, Amir Johnson's gone. I love his effort. He played 18 minutes tonight. Um, he grabbed four rebounds, but he's just—he's past his time. He's only 31, I think, but he's been in the league for 13 years. He—he just doesn't get it done out there anymore. His effort, his his motors—he tries. He just—he's just not—he's not that player he was a couple years ago in Toronto. So I think, um, that, yeah, we got to get a replacement for Amir Johnson in that starting lineup. Yeah, and yeah, I was—I was—I was actually surprised when I was looking at the game at the end to see that he only played 18, 18 minutes. He had a few good games against the Bulls this year, so I was expecting a little bit more from him. But uh, yeah, the only five points in, and in 18 minutes, not the production that you needed from your power forward. And I guess that's why, to, to my point before, why Stevens was going into his into his bench looking for you know what, what Derebko could do, what Tyler Zeller could do, these sorts of things. So yeah, I mean, that, that was interesting. Do the Celtics need to gang rebound or is it something, is it, is it one guy's job to keep 
Lopez off the boards. You mentioned that Horford is more of a perimeter-based big, but is it solely his responsibility to box out Lopez, or does this need to happen by almost two or three Celtics taking ownership of that role and swarming and rebounding as a team? It's for sure a team mentality, and it's been a problem for a couple of years now, so I don't know how they can fix it without a drastic personnel change. Mm-hmm. We just don't have rebounders. We don't have physical rebounders on the team. I mean, it is what it is. And Al Horford's never been that guy, so to expect him to come in all of a sudden and, and be, you know, be baby Shaq, it's not not fair to him. It's not who he is. Um, they they're 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 in desperate need of a Dwayne Dedman type, um, yeah. you know, a, a pogo stick who can rebound and block shots because that's their other problem. They don't have any rim protection in Boston, so the flare the flare. This is that's what I said this the other day. You don't build a car with the with half the windshield missing and then complain about the breeze because you're driving around with half the windshield missing. This team's been built like this, and this has been their issues the whole time. So I don't understand. Like, it's not something that I'm, I'm all of a sudden now realizing, right? So for yeah. me, it's kind of like, all right, these, this is, this is, it, the chickens are coming home to roost. Yeah. And moving forward in this series, it's going to be a problem because, again, this, I mean, rebounded won Chicago this game. That 17 point advantage, that 17 rebound advantage, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. You know. Definitely. So, yeah. So moving forward, it's not going to change. Let's see if what Boston can do better as far as getting other guys involved offensively. Uh, getting defensive stops and, and putting some shackles on Bobby Portis, I guess. Let's see what they can do. Because here's the thing. We can say what, uh, about Bobby Portis beating us and stuff, but Chicago didn't really offensively didn't play that great. And like a guy like Dwayne Wade, he's he can go off for 20, 25 in any, any game. He had 11. Mm-hmm. You know? it's So it's, sure, Boston has things they can do better, but so does Chicago, and Chicago won. And they're the eight seed. So right now, um, all the momentum's in, in, in Chicago's back pocket. Up at Bulls HQ, I wrote three concerns that I had going into this series. And the third point that I had was, do the Bulls actually really have a rebounding edge? And I was sort of looking at uh, rebounding numbers post-All-Star break, and and the composition of the Bulls team had changed since All-Star, obviously chaining away uh, Taj Gibson, and to the point where Chicago and Boston were pretty much neck and neck in terms of rebounding percentage. So I was actually really surprised to see the Bulls crush the Celtics today on, on, on the rebounding on the rebounding side of the game, and and like pre pre uh, All Star break, I would have expected that. But after the changes have been made and the way the Bulls have sort of been regressing as an offensive rebounding team, they're actually 18th in offensive rebounding percentage uh, post All Star break. We're second before that, so I was actually quite surprised to see that. So I think that's something to watch out. I think that is something that the Celtics can improve on from Game Two, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Another thing that um, I was actually very surprised to see was the fact that the Celtics bench got actually worked by the Bulls bench. That was something I thought that Celtics definitely had a, a massive advantage over over the Bulls in, in terms of that depth. And, and the Bulls bench is, is uh, extremely inexperienced. So I was surprised to see the Celtics you know, fall back 10 points or give up a 10-point run to the Bulls bench. And, and they were minus 16 when, when Isaiah sat as well. What do you think the Celtics will need to do in order to to correct that for for game two? I'll say this. If Bobby Portis has another game where he's like <laughs> 15, 15 or more points and like seven or more rebounds, yeah, you got to tip your hat. I was going to say, something like, I'll, I'll eat my hat, but then he might do it. So <laughs> the point is that like, that was – we say the benches outplayed play, I'll him. It was Bobby Portis by himself. He had such a great game. Um, and no one from the Celtics side really could can match his force on the on the boards or his scoring touch. So, um, you, I guess this, this is one game. You guys, I guess you just kind of got to tip your hat and and like you said about shorting the rotations, that's one good thing that 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 Chicago did. And everyone who came in just really produced. 
uh, other than uh, uh, Miritich, who played terrible, and they still won. So that's another that's another concern for for uh, the Celtics. So yeah, I, I get I, Marcus Smart has to be more aggressive, and scoring wasn't a problem with him. But we know his defense can change games. He needs to be strong on the boards. Uh, same thing with Avery Bradley. He's been a strong rebounder all season, and he only had three today. Um, but yeah, the main thing is we can't overreact to the bench issues. Bobby Portis just went had a great game. Um, and you got to just next game be more aware of him and, and key in on him and just, you know, just, just keep playing basketball. Look, and I agree. And there were a few things throughout this game that I thought were were potentially aberrations. Obviously, Bobby Porter scoring 19 points and nine rebounds off the bench and actually doing some good things on defense. To me, I don't expect that to continue. Likewise, as you mentioned, Miritich having such a poor game. I hope that doesn't continue at least. And Dwayne Wade... Wasn't he, wasn't his uh he, wasn't his best performance let's say and and obviously likewise with the Celtics Jay Crowder was well down and I thought Avery Bradley could do some more you mentioned market smart so both teams have some some upside and uh, obviously some some things to uh to improve on but um in in terms of coaching that was another area that I thought the Celtics had a clear and dominant advantage did you think that was on show today or is it hard to tell after one game if the if the the difference between coaching is visible or if it's tangible, uh, it's it's you'll see that in the game in the coming games, right? Because the yeah. first game is like a feeling out process. Mm, mm. So let's see what kind of adjustments Brad Stevens makes. Let's see uh, in, in games two and then three mm. on the road before we 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 say anything about the coaching. Because you know the first game he tried to stick with the rotations. He wanted to see what was what was what. So we'll see going forward. So I'm still pretty confident. Uh, you know. I, I think my main thing is that this, the the Bulls have just a weird set of parts, right? They're a mismatched kind of organization. So even if uh, Hoiberg is Hoiberg, yeah. he's a coach there. What's yeah. His name? Yeah, Hoiberg. Yeah. yeah. So even if we Hoiberg, I don't think he's a bad coach. I just don't think he has the right ingredients to make the recipe that he wants. And I think yeah, definitely Boston has its handpicked roster and handpicked coach. Moving forward, I think we're going to see a whole different. Uh, and see, you know what? We can't forget. There's always going to be one mitigating circumstance in this in this playoff series that can make or break it, and you know it's it is what it is. It's bigger than basketball. It's how Isaiah Thomas feels moving forward. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So yeah. he might not play next game for all we know, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah, that's I mean, what we got to deal with though. So yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And to be honest with you, it's it's not something I really had registered until you mentioned there mentioned it. Then this whole this whole series could be shaped completely differently depending on what Isaiah does moving forward. And as you mentioned, it's whatever he does do. I think pretty much everyone will support him, or at least I hope everyone will support him. Uh, hopefully rational minds come out in, in, in that regard. But um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how both teams adjust. Obviously, as I mentioned, there were a few aberrations in this game. I, I think some, some themes will hold, some definitely won't. I'm not expecting Bobby Portis to be a, a killer off the bench like that again, but... It'll be interesting to see how it all shapes up. The next game is on Tuesday, game two at Boston. I would imagine the Celtics come out pretty hot on this one and look to get it back to one one. Are you expecting are you expecting major changes at all from, from the Celtics or just to just to play ball and to see to see uh how the schemes continue to shape out? I mean, they played a good ball game today. Uh, until the you know the rebounding is an issue, but it's going to be an issue. They were it was it was a good game until the fourth, and you know Jimmy Butler went nuts. So it is what it is. So I think that they're going to come out more focused. 
Um, they're going to come up with the defensive intensity. They're going to probably try to, you know, be more aggressive with Jimmy Butler as far as, you know, defending him and make him see a crowd of bodies. That's all you can really do. Now, now on an honest answer here, how, how scared are you of, of playoff Rondo? Not very. I'm, <laughs> not, Rondo doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still think Rondo's not a very good player. Look, no, no. look, hey, look, I'm, I'm, dirty little secret. He had the numbers look all right tonight, but yeah, when he, he was on the floor, they were they were minus seven. He was a yeah. minus seven plus minus on the night. It's it is what it is. Rondo was look. I I, I know I sound people might think I'm disrespectful of Rondo because I've been saying it for the last couple of years. I I loved what he did in Boston. He was a great fit with those three Hall of Famers. He he was he's a fantastic talent. I even wrote about him for a couple other sites I used to write for, and I used, I was just singing the old Rondo. He was he was great. You know, it's just that he's not that player anymore. The league's changed, and like it's funny because I see a lot of uh, Chicago fans now have come come around on him where they're like, well, you know, we played so well with him at the end. I wouldn't mind him come back next year. Don't be fooled by Ray John Rondo. <laughs> look, that's probably an important message to to put out there because I look. I'm not going to say I wanted Ron, uh, Rajon Rondo back, but I did write an article says, suggesting that there may be merit in retaining him, depending on how certain variables play out. I won't definitely say I want him back, but um, yeah, I would hope most Bulls fans aren't fooling themselves into thinking Rondo is the long-term answer at point guard. But see, but, uh, even short-term, you got to just move on from now. Find you somebody who can shoot at the point guard position. Oh, definitely. And, definitely. and play off of Jimmy Butler and can yeah. hit shots and defend a little bit. That's all. You don't need a Rajon Rondo. You need somebody who can hit shots from outside and play a little defense and let Jimmy Butler handle the ball. It's so simple. I, I, I was so upset by Chicago's offseason last summer because it made no sense. No, and look, that's why a lot of fans are out on the team at the moment, and they wouldn't actually necessarily care too much if the Boston Celtics got up here. Though most fans want to see Jimmy do well, but I don't think they necessarily care if the uh, if the Bulls, you know, go down in five, six, whatever it may be. I think they just want to see Jimmy do well in spite of everything that's gone on. But um, look, who knows if Jimmy Butler is a Bull going forward? He may be a Celtics player, and you may be the one reaping those benefits. Who knows? But um, look, I appreciate you joining me today, Matt. I really, I really do appreciate that. Given obviously, you're you're on the Celtic side of the fence, and, and you guys unfortunately had the loss today, as well as as I mentioned before, the 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 Thunder going down as well. It is just basketball at the end at the end of the day, given what's been going on with Isaiah. But I still uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, breaking down the game with me. Oh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on, man. And um, yeah, it's I'm tipping my hat to Chicago Bulls, and I know you know Bulls fans must be ecstatic i gotta say this as an nba fan it kind of made me a little sad because no offense chicago but i'm just you, the dog that hit by a car and broke its leg and fell off a cliff but still keeps coming back <laughs> it's like sooner or later you're like oh god i wish i wish this dog would just put it i wish we could put it out of its misery but nope <laughs> chicago just keeps on coming back tail wagon ready to roll so well i mean that's a good way to put it it's a good analogy and i'm sure most chicago fans are actually that would actually resonate with a lot of Chicago fans, actually. So um, I don't think you're going to offend too many people with that statement. But um, it is it is a good analogy. But uh, yeah, like I said, appreciate you coming on. And we'll chat again some some um, sometime down the road. Anytime, man. You guys uh, check me out on, on Twitter, at Snotty Drippin'. Find me on bballbreakdown.com. And I also run the Truth Podcast over at Almighty Baller Radio. Yeah, and no, I would recommend reading your uh, your your game preview, that, or sorry, the series preview that you did for the Rockets and Thunder, you just have this way, and I don't really see it with a lot of other writers, but this way of describing things and the adjectives that you use, it's really, it just 
adds a lot of uh, spice to to your writing. It adds a lot of color, and I enjoy reading your your breakdowns and these sorts of things. So I would definitely recommend catching all of James's work, but in particular his latest, which is the Rocket's Thunder breakdown for B-ball breakdown. I really enjoyed that piece. So go go check that out. I would I would definitely say, um, recommend that one. Well, hey man, that's the best compliment I've, been, I've heard in a long time. I really appreciate that. I, I'm glad I can entertain and and you enjoy it, man. Thank you a lot, man. I appreciate that. Take it easy. We'll speak soon. Hi, bro. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.